There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jota, Dundalk and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome to Tuesday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Watch your Two on Tuesday today. We have a cracker for you. Didn't make number one in the charts. We play them each Tuesday. But the one that kept it off top spot, I can't wait to hear it again. That and much more coming up over the next couple of hours. Anne Hodges with us. She's curator of the National Gallery of Ireland. She's from Kilcloon in County Meath. Sinead Kelly, our vet, is here. If you have any questions for her, do pop them to me now. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. That's 86 for questions Sinead can answer the phone book she's with us a little bit later on and we hear from a parish priest a local parish priest who has a cheaper alternative in terms of running his car yes it's much cheaper for Father Paul Byrne from Termin Feckin Parish we're going to be talking to him in a little while but we begin today with a man who I'm glad to say and his family are safe and sound. We spoke to him uh, a few weeks back when he was in Kiev, uh, making his way out in terrible circumstances. We had to leave us one day as bombers flew overhead, got across the border. We spoke to him then and he's back home now in the Wheat County. I'm delighted, delighted to say hello again to Brendan Murphy. Brendan, thank you for joining me. Well, hello, hello. Thank you. Well, we talk today in much changed circumstances for you and your family. You're safe. You're back in Ireland. It's been uh, an arduous journey, to say the least, Brendan. Uh, you must feel total relief at being back. Yeah, yeah. Although obviously friends and uh, relations are still in in uh, being bombed, and the house next to the one we lived in has been destroyed yesterday. Uh, so there's still that reality that we're not geographically we away from it, but in terms of our emotions and connection to family and friends and people you'd say hello to in the shop, mm. we're still, you know, we're still there as well. If you understand what yes. I mean, yes, of course. So you're uprooted from your life, and you have to go back to somewhere that you are safe. You're right, physically, geographically, yes, but in in, in the more important ways, really, you, you're removed and and you're gone, and really, you are you're, you're yeah. back there. And I know how you feel. You should be back there. It's a, a horrendous situation, and when when you even say that that the house adjacent to your own there was bombed to bits, like my God Almighty, it's. It's, it's it's horrendous, isn't it? Just contemplating, and you you, you were in in the heart of it. Uh, of it, what are you hearing from uh, on the ground in Kiev from the people that are back there? Are you still in contact with them? Oh yeah, absolutely. Even yesterday, I was on the phone. There's an old lady who's disabled, and she was alone in her apartment. So I was ringing people to get them to go and try and rescue her. And it'll take two days, uh, simply because Russian forces are surrounding the territory. So they need to remove the Russians first before they can rescue that person. And there's a lot of people who need rescuing because they're killing, uh, they're shooting evacuees. These green corridors, these humanitarian corridors, they're shooting people just, uh, well, in cold blood. And there's lots of examples of that from, from where we live and some people who we, I would have, you know, like, you know, someone you'd see them in the shop from time to time that type of person that you would know of and then you see what's happened to them and it's it's that's the reality of yesterday and today 
How is your wife or mother and uh, the child? They're all with you. They're all together. And uh, I mean, to be honest, uh, Olivia is three. So she's become a child again. And thanks to a neighbour of ours, Claire Morgan sent over some clothes, which was great. And, uh, you know, she's become the child again, playing and running around and laughing after 15 days in the car. Isn't that just great to... (laughs) To, to see that and, and to experience it as well. But look, at they're, 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 they're safe, as you say, again, but they have yeah. to get, you know, establish themselves here and, 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 and begin again. What, what, what's your immediate or short-term plans? Well, I, obviously, I need a job. I need to earn mm. money, and uh, that's important for me. Um, they, to be honest, Intrio was superb yesterday, registering everybody. It couldn't be better. Um, the PPS numbers are done, so it's just now trying to get as normalised as possible um, and as soon as possible mm. um, because I think that that helps mentally for everybody to be doing the usual things. Um, for Christina and Marina, they're, they're fluent in English, so that you know working is not a problem. And Galena, who's 80, um, I don't think she'll be going to work, but she, she, some routine needs to be established for everybody just for that normalcy. Mm. Wasn't it lucky you had the base here? Oh, incredible, because I would have been a displaced person. You know, coming back to Ireland would have been difficult. You know, all countries, if you don't have a tangible anchor, and I said this to someone the other day, no matter where you travel, you have to keep a home place right and i understand personally now why people are so passionate about the home place in ireland not that i didn't know it before but my god if i didn't have this house i would be landing in dublin and in a hotel room somewhere and maybe moving three or four times not out of badness but because there's two million across the border there's eight million on the move that's you you ten million people moving towards Europe and Poland and Germany is full Spain and France are filling up so there's an enormous number of people to be accommod- uh, accommodated but at least my home my family they're in their own bedrooms they're warm and looked after and they're settled if you understand yes thank god for it and you make a very good point it is a a lesson to uh, take from all of this when you reflect you know on your association with the ukraine and your time there and moving with the people and so integrated as you have been with them was this ever anticipated so look I, i mean politically um putin was always going to do this Okay, because the the demographic of Russia is it means that it will disintegrate. And if he didn't take Ukraine, there will be three cities, Moscow, St. Petersburg and Rostov in an enormous territory that would be Russia. And everywhere else will be a different independent state because that's the way it's going because of the demograph. So he couldn't possibly think of himself having the economy like Belgium and being as, you know, globally important as Ireland. He couldn't take that. And he said it many, many times over the last 20 odd years. And he's 70 now and Lavrov is 71. And they know this is their, their, this is their final chapter of their lives and they want to write it in blood. And everybody knew that. And any politician global politician said, well, I didn't know it. He's either not fit for office or or he's telling the truth. Because this was well known for a very, very long time. He told Bush this. He told Obama this. He told Merkel this. He told all of the presidents and prime ministers of Europe this. He was very candid that this is what he was going to do. When he took Crimea in 2014, of course, the... Uh uh, warning signals were were vast, as you say, and, and it was another indication of what he intended to do long term. I see Johnson, uh, the British PM, writing today that uh, the mistake was made then, that he wasn't taken on at that stage. It's sort of crying over yeah. spilt milk, isn't it? Kind of. I mean, actually, the mistake was Georgia, mm. right? Mm. The fact that no one did anything about Georgia... 
meant that he could incrementally go into something else. And, you know, this little green men mythology and busing half a million Russians for a vote, he's trying to do that in Kherson today. He's trying to get uh, take buses of Russians to have a, um, a referendum to become part of Russia. And, you know, half a million citizens of Kherson are, are in the streets protesting and uh, stopping the tanks stuck in the military. And actually, I saw a video last night of a woman who said to a soldier, take off your gun, I'm going to beat you, with her own bare hands. Hmm. She was going to physically fight this Russian soldier. Such is the passion and the bravery of people to say, this is my city, you're not bringing half a million Russians here to have a fake referendum like you did in Crimea, and you're not taking my country, and you're not taking my town, and you're not taking my house. And that's what they said. They are remarkable people. The Ukrainian people have shown a steel and a determination. I think that even Putin and the Russians never, ever uh, anticipated. The, the, no. the, did you see the um, Russian producer, I think she is, on the TV programme last night who came out with the banner behind the, the news anchor, No War, this is, you're being spun lies. Did you see that, Brendan? Yes, and it's fake, unfortunately, because oh, she's... Is it? She's, yeah, and I'll tell you why. It's basically that that TV presenter uh, was also promoted on uh, Putin's goddaughter's channel. And basically, it's the Kremlin looking for a way out because, you know, there's 13,500 Russian soldiers dead. Uh, there's 100... Uh, eight, there's 80 planes shot down. There's hundreds and hundreds of tanks and military machinery and there is widespread spread, uh, desertion in the Russian forces mm. um, When and, you say that's so, fake are you sure that's fake because I was watching BBC yeah, early today yeah, and they were taking yeah. it as genuine Yes so so basically the goddaughter of um, uh, of, of Putin is Ksenia Sobchak She's a TV personality in her own right and very, very, very hard Putinist. And she posted it on her Instagram page and she wouldn't have done that if it wasn't authorised by the government. Mm. And Khodorkovsky, who is an oligarch, who is paid. And what it is, is trying to... There's there's an emerging anti-war movement in Russia, although it's very small. Mm. And they're beginning to try... Having lost on the ground, they're bombing and using missiles, as you know, and using airplanes, which is why NATO should is being asked to close the sky. But the reality is that this is part of an orchestration to try and find a way for Putin to get off uh, what is undoubtedly, you know, a massive miscalculation. Mm. As you say, he thought he would win in three days mm. and he's losing. Isn't it uh, amazing to think of, of the resistance being put up? Um, what, what, as somebody who, who knows it uh, well and has lived there and, and familiar with it, what's the, what's the end game here? What, 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 where will this finish or how is this going to finish up? So well, it's going to finish up very different to what people in Ireland would think. Ukraine will, be, will, will, will assert its own borders, not greater, not less than it was before. Um, politically, Ukraine was, was, was the poor sister. Um, simply because Europe wanted to foster good relations with Russia. So Ukraine was somewhat neglected. That will reverse now. Um, and there's enormous reserves in Ukraine, and you probably know that there's a coming food crisis yes. in Europe, uh, simply because the farmers are busy stealing tanks. The biggest, the biggest, uh, the biggest contribution, military contribution, uh, is farmers with John Deere tractors taking tanks off Russians and running up the road and giving it to the Ukrainians. And they're busy doing that, and they're being asked to go back to the fields, but it's impossible when you're being shot. Mm. So the the sowing season, which is now, is not happening anywhere near how it needs to be. Um, But what's going to happen, I think, is three things. One is that there will be a recalibration and a better understanding of what Ukraine is in terms of its contribution to the world and Europe in particular. The second thing is, I think that geopolitically, the European Union is in a lot of trouble. Um, and that's going to impact Ireland in terms of how, how we build our relationships with people. 
And I think the third thing is that uh, ordinary people are going to say, this could happen to us. You know, this can very much, very easily happen in Ireland. Mm. You know, and I know that that sounds fantastical, but, you know, look at the history, look at the problems that we have, and it's very easy to get into a conflict and very difficult to, once you're in conflict, it's very difficult to stop. As regards, just before we finish up, uh, you touched on it there. Do you feel Ireland needs to align itself with NATO? I think, to be fair to Ireland, Ireland has done extremely well in a very balanced, relatively safe environment in the world, a peaceful world. That peaceful world is shattered now, and we don't fully understand it yet because it's only started. It's only, you know, a month old. So, but going forward how we, you know, think about our relationships in the world and how we trade with people and how we allow countries like Russia put money and interest through the country. There's a lot of complex things that will change rapidly. Even if you think of the corporations registered in Ireland that have suddenly stopped working in Russia, that's a big thing. It's 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 complex and it'll have repercussions for a long time. And for ordinary Irish people, when you're going in to buy your food and going to get your, your fuel and that, all of that's going to be very, very different. And we're going to have to be... The way we understand the world is it, the world will not look after Ireland. Ireland has to look after itself. Mm. Well said, well said. My final question to you is this. You're only touching down here and getting going again and looking after everybody and we're delighted for you. I'm getting messages in here to say that they're so glad to hear, Brendan, that you and your family are safe because we were all so worried for you by times when we spoke to you and and thank you indeed for the messages. Keep them coming to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Um, I ask you this and it's early doors yet. You've mentioned there will be a solution, there will be a settlement do you ever see yourself and does your family see the, the the unit returning to Ukraine one day? Well, I think it's like the Irish diaspora. You know, the home speaks to you, doesn't it? You know, it, you, you, you can't you can't break relationship with something where, you know, your family's in the cemetery and you went to the school and you've got your own relationships and that. But the reality is... What Russia is doing now is shattering towns and destroying villages and destroying where people can live. And so it's not so easy because there's no going back because what was there is being destroyed. And that's not unlike Ireland many, many, many years ago with economic migrations. But people always raise Patrick's weekend comment, you know, the next few days, Patrick's, how many people think of Ireland all over the world? Mm. Um, um, and the 70 million or 80 million Irish diaspora would love to be in Ireland, but they're not, right, because they can't. And then the 6 million that are here are blessed to be here. And I think that you're going to get something similar with Ukraine, that people will want to go back. But what you're going back to is a building site from scratch in some places. My God almighty when you think of it and see the pictures and contemplate it all I can say again and I've mentioned it many times I pray that the guns fall silent soon and today if it is today be it today and this stops and that man in Russia has sense and sees sense or people there can get to him or whatever way to stop this but it must be stopped as simple as that Brendan delighted to talk to you uh, back okay. in Ireland. Can I thank everybody? Well. Yeah, go ahead. Can, can I just, first of all, thank everybody. I, when I came home, the water pump didn't work, and, you know, there's a lot, turning pumps sorted that out. That's incredible. But everybody, I've been met with such kindness and some re- recognition, and really, really appreciate that. It was important in the journey to know that people were listening and knew that I was on the road. So thank you, all of the listeners. Thank you. You're very welcome and uh, safe times and uh, thank you for joining us under the most extenuating circumstances at time. Brendan, really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye now. Take care of yourself. That's Brendan Murphy there.
from North Loud, home from Kiev. No need to remind you that uh, fuel at the pumps is more expensive and getting more expensive all the time. News today that Board Gosh are raising their energy bills across the board uh, by substantial margins. So people out there looking again, especially in the motoring field, will we go hybrid, perhaps go full electric? How can we save? Well, my next guest is parish priest of Termin Fecken and he has a wee story to tell us about the car he's driving and how much it costs. I'm delighted to say hello to Father Paul. Paul Byrne. Hello, Paul. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Well, let me ask you this first. When you uh, took possession of this car of yours, a 1998 BMW, was it uh, at that stage converted or did you have the conversion done? It was already converted. It was already done? Yeah. Yeah, already done at that stage. Okay. So, uh, converted to what, tell our listeners? Uh, LPG, as in liquid. Uh, liquefied petroleum gas. Right. And did you know what you were buying into? Did you preempt what has happened in the last few months? <laughs> I, I, I wish I was able to say I did preempt, but no, I didn't. Um, but I uh, uh, have an interest in, in old vehicles. I'm a bit of a petrol head or maybe an LPG head now. But uh, I, I'm, I'm familiar with that whole uh source of fuel because I've had them before mm. uh, so when I was buying that particular car it was one of the selling points didn't realise of course that it was going to be <laughs> so yes. much of a selling point <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid to say this but would there have been divine inspiration you know in the purchase oh sure don't you know there probably was <laughs> <laughs> No, no. let's cut to the chase here because you are on a real winner here Father because uh, how much does a, a litre of the LPG cost? Uh, one euro. <gasps> a euro? A euro, yeah. Oh my, oh my. But you do need a little side tank of petrol, don't you? Only a small yeah, amount. It, it, yeah, it, the, it needs the petrol to start the engine. Uh, and once the engine is, is heated up, it automatically switches over onto the gas. Right. So, you know, the, the petrol will do for a long, long time. Yes. Uh, because obviously it's only there to ignite the engine. Mm. And that's when the engine is cold. Mm-hmm. And and what do you reckon miles per gallon now? Can you work that out in terms of LPG? Have you sat down with the, the calculator and done the maths? <laughs> Not yet. But it usually isn't... Uh, the, the performance of the engine usually isn't in any way negatively affected compared to that with using petrol. Right. OK, so you'd expect to be, you know, in or abouts what you'd get MPGs in other cars with the, with the LPG. Yeah, yeah. Um... It's a fair-sized car as well. It's 24 years old, the BMW. There's a fair bit of steel to move along the road as well. There is, and that's one of the reasons that, you know, an old car like that um, does get an awful benefit from having the conversion done on it, you know, because it does reduce the, uh, the level of fuel that you would otherwise use. Yeah. It'd be a gas guzzler, would that be fair to say? If she was oh, definitely, now that it's converted, it definitely would be a gas guzzler. <laughs> You'd be appealing from the pulpit for a few more euros. <laughs> the, the fact that I'd be saving money on it, you know, yeah, um, yes. is, is an advantage there, you know. Yes, it certainly is. What's it like to drive? You know, the, you know, the, the noise uh, engine wise, is it quiet? Is it around the same as a petrol or diesel? Or? Oh, the, 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 um, the gas conversion makes no. Uh, a, a negative impact whatsoever in terms of the sound performance or the performance generally speaking. Yes. So you wouldn't even know it was. Uh, if, if, if you got into the car with me, you wouldn't know whether it was petrol or gas. Okay, okay. And you do a bit of motoring because you're from Newry originally, so I take it you tip back home and uh, your indeed. your parish duties. You have a fair size and a fair spread to cover there in Terman Fekin. Well, that's the, 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 uh, one of the things with being a, a rural parish that's quite a bit of um, movement around, you know. It's not just sort of getting it. Like, I'm lucky enough in, in terms of mass that right next door to the church is the house. But, you know, other duties in that, then it isn't definitely yeah. in the car. Mm. And and what about LPG? Is it available at every service station or are there only a, a smaller number? It, it's actually, that's one of the disadvantages is that it's only available in very, very limited amount of places. For example, in this area, you've got the garage in Killineer and you've got one in Dunmere. Okay. And that, they're the only two in this area 
that supply it. Do you know of, of many others who are driving LPG cars? Uh, I would be aware of other people, um, not in huge numbers, mm. but I would be aware of other LPG drivers. Mm. So you have to, like if you were going on a journey, uh, you'd have to really do a little bit of research if you needed a refill or anything as to where this is available. It's not everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, the advantage, for example, is that, uh, say, over the likes of an electric car, is that you don't need to stop to recharge it. It'll just, if you run out of gas, you just switch back on to the petrol. Yeah. You'll never be stuck. And has LPG, you mentioned a euro or later, my God, I'm going to fall off the chair here, and I think <laughs> most people listening are as well, Father, but uh, has that gone up? You know, was it less? Uh, no, no, that has that has remained static. It hasn't been yet affected by the, um, right. the, the, the increase in fuel prices. And is that what you're praying for? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> that there's no change. I'm praying for a reduction in <laughs> My God, I can see the inquiries going through the roof of this. Do you know how much? Is, 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 can you convert, you know, most cars to this yeah. way of working? It is, yeah. Um, it's, a, no, it's, it's, not, it's about two to two and a half thousand euros per conversion. Mm. Um, so that's, like, I was very lucky that I actually came, the car came with it. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, it's not, it's, it's yeah. It would be universally applicable. Uh, mm. mm. it, it, it can be done. No, I, I take it uh, it takes up room in the boot or that area of the car. Is that fair? It does. It does. In my particular instance, it's what they call a donut tank, and it's in the, the um, spare wheel well. Mm. So that means that there's no space for the spare wheel except in the boot. So you've lo- you're losing your boot space, essentially. Yes, yes, yeah. I see. Well, but that, you know, obviously, the, the issue for me is like I've got the child's pram to put in and all the other <laughs> things. <laughs> I understand what you're getting at. You're quite clear that obviously your family circumstances will dictate as well because if you do have, you know, those things and you need yeah. the room, well, this may not be practical for everybody. Exactly. Mm. But as, as somebody pointed out to me the other day, most modern cars come with. Um, a canister full of foam mm. instead of a spare wheel. So yes. you know, yeah, there is that. There is that uh, uh, other side of it too. Yeah, yeah, that that that's so true. It really, and and of course, you do know uh, with the electrics, the batteries were huge, and they're getting smaller all the time. So it's allowing allowing more space. Uh, God Almighty, you, you're on a winner. I I, I can't see any <laughs> any negatives uh, here at all, Father Paul. But um, one other thing I wanted to ask you because it's something uh, Earl Louise mentioned to me as well. Do you ever, or do you get asked, because this was a thing a few years ago, ever, to bless a new car for anybody? Is that still a thing? Oh, yes, yes. It wouldn't be as common and, uh, as it would have been years ago, but yes, I do, yep. So that is something that someone would still ask mm-hmm. you to do, to bless them. I, I think you should bless the drivers as well. Oh, well, that might become part and parcel of the whole thing. <laughs> the whole, it, it encompasses <laughs> all, driver and vehicle, all, all combined. It's, it's, not, it's not the car, it's the problem, it's the one behind the wheel. Yeah. True, true, true. Look, while you're with us, I, I, it would be remiss of me not to mention it because we were talking to Brendan Murphy at the top of the show uh, from Loud, who's just uh, evacuated Kievan back here. Uh, uh, as a, a man of the Catholic Church, you must be appalled by what's going on. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, the, well, there's never any justification for war anywhere. Uh, it's just it's horrendous to look at all those families that are having to be sort of evacuated, fleeing their homes. Mm. You know, and particularly uh, at Mass here a couple of weeks ago um, with the children from the, the the local primary school, I was asking the children just to say a prayer for all the children who've suffered, either died or been displaced because of it. It's just horrendous. Mm. My God Almighty, it is. And it's affecting our children as well. They're asking the questions that I'm sure you've encountered and they wondered what this is all about and who's behind it, etc. It's uh, yeah, it can't make sense of it. Mm, it's yeah. very difficult. It is very it difficult is. for them. We, we understand that as well. Anyway, I, I, I reiterate it again. Please, may the guns fall silent, the planes leave Absolutely. the skies and we start talking and uh, the people concerned start talking and end this uh, Armageddon that's going on at the moment. Anyway, it's lovely to talk to you today. I appreciate okay, you joining you me. Much. And happy motoring, Father. 
Thank you. Appreciate that. You take care. Thank, thanks for joining me. Take care of yourself. That's Father Thank Paul Byrne there, parish priest of Termin Fecken, a step ahead of the posse with the LPG car. Oh, you see? Bit of cuteness there. Well done to him. My two on Tuesday today was number two in the UK charts this very week in 1978. It comes from the album Plastic Letters and it was the song that helped Blondie break into the international market. It's actually, though, a cover of the 1963 original top 10 hit by Randy and the Rainbows. Blondie dropped the E from the original name. The original song was Denise, D-N-I-S-E. They dropped the E and they made the S silent a la Francais, pronouncing it Denny. Number two, this time, 78. Blondie, Debbie Harry and Denis, number two this week, back in 1978. You were saying, Louise, that she always sounded a little distant from the microphone. Yeah, I just wondered, yeah. was that a thing back in her yeah, time? Yeah, she was. She was in and out away from her. But what I can remember is her in the red striped swimsuit with the little navy jacket on over it. Whoa! Were we drooling when Top of the Pops... She would have been French like Oh, la la, when Top of the Pops came on the telly, were we drooling in little Catholic Ireland to see Debbie Harry in a swimsuit? Oh my God, great song though. Fantastic song and it did propel them uh, to the uh, international fame they went on to enjoy. But, Louise, it didn't make number... One. And it was kept off number one by a song that made number one and stayed there for four weeks. And you have an association with this I song. I love this song, yeah. From a music point of view, but also from your academic yeah, career, don't you? Yeah, I studied it. Yeah, studied you it did. in school. Can't remember you for did. the evening or the junior cert, but yeah, yeah fabulous. And she should be slagging me about me. I love me. the book. She'd be slagging me about me age. She did this book. It was published in 1847. Well, my son is studying it now for it's his junior search. Isn't it's it amazing? There. Wuthering Heights, Emily Bronte, 1847. And it's still on the curriculum. Simply brilliant. But the song, Miss Kate Bush, four weeks, number one. Mm. It's a while since we've heard it. Let's have a listen to the number one. Ah, oh, isn't it fantastic? That's the first time I've ever played that song on Late Lunch. Can't believe that. It's a great song, isn't it? Well, terrific. Such a word, the number <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, you know the way we debate this each week. So mm. it's thumbs up, Louise, from you this week. Yes, yeah, certainly. Double thumbs up. Deserve to uh, beat Denis from uh, Blondie to the number one spot. There you have it. Well, we'll pick another one next week on Tuesday, round about this time, to bring to you the two and the one. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> I'm laughing. We were we were um, off air, and I thought Kate Bush had been married to Andrew Lloyd Webber, and you said no, 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 it's the other one, but you couldn't think of it, so you went into that studio. <laughs> and as I googled, you were like a big child. You had to get in there before I got the answer on Google. I dashed <laughs> back, back in. Google, Sarah I, Brightman. I beat Usain Bolt <laughs> from this chair into you Louise. Did actually. <laughs> to show her that I didn't need Dr. Google. you not even out of breath. <laughs> Dr. Google. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be giving away our little trade secrets here. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> it was really. But that's me. That's that competitive streak in me. Do you know what I mean? It's always there. It always has been. <laughs> You can now relax I, then. Now I have to compose myself <laughs> <laughs> to, to give something else away on late lunch today. Yes, we have a ticket for the Mead Ladies car draw. The winner will drive away in a beautiful Peugeot 3008 SUV. And the draw is this Friday, the 18th of March. Tickets are €60 Euros each and you can get them. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. 
Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, by contacting Patricia Mead 087-962-8004 we have that number here or contacting any members of the Mead Ladies County Board and the tickets are available on Eventbrite as well a free ticket for somebody listening today that could win you that car and there are other prizes as well a grand 500 euro and a number of 100 euro prizes here is the question today for the free ticket into the draw which animal is Peugeot's symbol? Which animal symbolises the Peugeot car? Answers please to 086-1800-658 and we pick somebody for the ticket before the end of the show. Louise, just a quick one. Maybe the listeners would help me. You know the vents in, your, in the walls of your house? Mm-hmm. Your vents. All yeah. the houses have vents. Anyway, I did a bit of work in the house lately and there were old vents that used to close over and back and they were grand. But the new ones that we put in are little roundy ones that stay open all the time. You can't close them, oh, right? right? And in a couple of the rooms... Freezing. Yes, yeah. and the noise. You think you're outdoors by times. Does anyone know where I can get the old-fashioned vent covers that close over and can be open. That's all I need. I need to put, I dump the other Are ones out. Are they not allowed anymore because of health and safety? No, 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 you can get them all you right. Can. And we have vents in the windows of the, you know, the little vents in the windows of the house as well. Jesus, we might as well be out in the garden <laughs> at the minute. But We're anyway, does, can anyone help me? Does anyone know where I'd get those older vents that you can open back and close? You know what I mean? Because at this time of day, we just like to close them over to save us from the cold and and the, uh, the noise outdoors. Anyone know where I'd get those old vents that close over and would give us a bit of respite. If you do, let me know. 086-1800-658 or you can call in 041-9832-000. You'd be doing me a big favour. You'd be saving me energy bills <laughs> and quietening down things as well for us. Thanks indeed. You're very good. I know you'll help you'll have me to get a on pair that of curtains one. for each of them, if not. <laughs> well, if I don't get these vents, I'll tell you what, I'm getting the tube of that. You know that stuff that you spray into and it'll expand, expandable Standard foam. And I could have bloody block it anyway, one way or the other. But if I could get the vents, it, it, would, uh, it would be great. You're at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Delighted to say... Hello and welcome back to one of our regulars on the show, Vet Sinead Kelly. Hello again, Sinead. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Well, I'm sad and I'm really sad to begin to say to you, we're all sad in LMFM and listeners were in touch with us as well when they heard about the passing of the lovely Cleo. Oh, I know. Yeah, you have me crying in a minute. Yeah, yeah, we're just heartbroken. Yeah, I mean, she had a fabulous life. Um, you know, we had her 12 years and she was at least two when we got her. But uh, yeah, just miss her so much. Just like uh, like, like another child. Yeah, but yes. uh, we'll get there. We'll get uh, yeah, there. And I, I just want to, and I did mention it before, when she used to come in with you when you are in studio here, she was so kind and genteel and oh, she was a special dog yeah, you know yeah. I've loved all the yeah. animals I've had uh, she's the fourth dog I had since I was a child um, but she and I loved them all but she was just special special well, and people know sometimes you just get a special one and she was she was the closest thing to a human and a dog I ever found so yeah, yeah. she was she was a darling she was a darling and I know you spoke to us and spoke to listeners on many occasions in the past who've asked you the question uh, when the time comes and, and an animal is in distress, you know, it's very hard to let go. I'm sure you've found it as hard as anyone you've ever advised. Oh, absolutely. And then, of course, uh, like my children grew up with Cleo, like Shona mm. was 
eight and Ewan was four when we got her and now they're 16 and 20 and um, we like it actually like her legs even after her surgery she was great she was fabulous it was her kidneys got her in the end so she had kind of started with kind of showing signs of, of kidney problems about a year and a half ago but doing really well and then kind of the last kind of month I would say I could just she was just maybe not as enthusiastic about her food I was having to really kind of hand feed her and tempt her um, but that was it really I repeated her bloods and the blood showed that the, the kidneys were had gone to kind of stage four of, of kidney disease so I knew we were kind of mm. limited um, but I had said to the children all along you know uh, that, that we would know and my daughters always said but how do you know how do you know what if you make a mistake how are you sure and I was like just trust me and the last I would say the last five days she just she looked sad if that makes any sense and again I was just having to work really hard to get her to eat and she was kind of eating for me just to keep me happy kind of thing mm. um, and I knew from the bloods that we were very limited um, but just once she, she didn't want to eat for me didn't I was I was encouraging her to go outside and she just wanted to sleep that's all yes. she wanted to do was sleep mm. so mm. the decision was actually very easy and we all knew and I was very lucky I was able to let her go sleep at home so I was very very lucky and literally oh. we all she was in her favourite spot on the sofa we were all cuddling her and talking to her and um, yeah she just went to sleep literally and I always pride myself when I um, look after people when they're saying goodbye to their pets that it's very peaceful and gentle and loving and obviously I was very desperate to be like that for her and it was so I, I, it, was, it, was, it was lovely but yeah they just break your heart yes, they just break yes. your heart definitely. well look we yeah. remember and I'm, I know it's uh, emotional to talk about it but we wanted to remember with you Oh, thank you. Uh, I know. Yeah, on, oh, she was just a pet. Like yep. and like I say, you know, I felt guilty because there's so many awful things happening to people in the world, especially in Ukraine mm. and everywhere. And I feel, oh, this is terrible. Being so upset for a dog, but I just like I. She just followed me everywhere. She looked for me everywhere. She was with me all the time, and she just. It was that unconditional adoration. She always looked at me and she said, everything will be okay with mom. And there's just something incredible having that love from from, yes. from anybody. Mm. And she was just a darling. Yeah, she was just a darling. So There you go. Uh, Great memories and, and treasured memories as well forever absolutely. about her. And uh, thanks indeed for, for having a chat about her with us today, Sinead. Let's get to some of the questions coming to us for you. Now, listen to this. No, you're not stupid. Somebody says, Jerry, this may say, seem like a stupid question to ask no question is stupid. No, never, no ever, ever. But would you ask Sinead simply, is my cat happy when she purrs? Now, this is a very interesting question. I love this question. Absolutely. So cats actually purr for one of two reasons. One is when they're happy, but the other is also they will sometimes purr to self-soothe. So really the way you're going to know is the circumstances. So if your cat is getting cuddles or sitting happy, enjoying something nice like cuddles or attention or being warm and cosy they're purring because they're happy sometimes you'll see a cat if they're looking a bit withdrawn or on their own or they're maybe uncomfortable they will purr as a self-soothing now that's much less common but it is possible so normally we would see that maybe as a vet we might see them like that in the clinic if they were maybe in 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 their bed and and on medication and, and things like that but for most circumstances, a cat at home when purring is is happy. Yeah, it's and it's just the most lovely thing. Sometimes they purr so much they're drooling, like it's it's crazy. But yeah, so most times it's a happy. And if you analyse it yourself, you'll get the answer yourself. Mm. But the odd time, you'll see them sometimes a little bit on their own and tucked up and just doing a little purring sound. It's almost like a child might, um, you know, kind of suck their thumb or hold on to a blanket. But most of the time, it's a happy, contented. And there's no better sound in the world. It's the most gorgeous, gorgeous sound. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Another one related to our feline friends, Jerry. Uh, it's from Martina. My cat wandered in over the weekend, bedraggled. The weather was awful, all mud. Tried to clean her up and wash her. Oh my God, I never <laughs> got such a shock in my whole life. She just didn't want to know. Is no. this common? Oh yeah, no cats. Quite simply, cats do not like being washed. And any time, I always say to people, you know, a cat is not to be washed unless they have got themselves covered in something dangerous or toxic. And even then, you obviously need to get some kind of vet advice, really, on the best shampoo to use and the best way to do it. Sometimes cats even need to be sedated if they really need uh, a wash to decontaminate them. So if you're ever wanting, if your cat is just wet and you want to dry them, just you know, towel, pat dry, rub dry with 
with gentle towels. If your cat is covered in something and you need to wash something off them, uh, try and contact the vet first of all because so, for example, if they are covered, say, in engine oil, um, there are certain things that it's best to use to get it off. Um, so I always say don't because people often say to me they're desperate to wash their dogs and I always say, look, don't wash your dog unless you need to if they have you know certain skin disease or they're covered in something. Now, most dogs don't like being washed, but they tolerate it. But cats actually, they feel very vulnerable. They're not fans of the water, so they do get very, very stressed. Mm. So yeah, just ask yourself, do I need to actually wash this cat? Um, and if I do, is there something special I need? Check with the vet, like why am I washing the cat? Um, if it's just that they're covered with mud or things like that, I often just say, just if you can, just get to, get, you know, run the tap, get it like nice temperature and just literally just, you know, run the tap over their legs or whatever, but holding them very securely. Often if you wrap the cat up in a towel, very thick towel, and just remove from the towel the little bit you want to wash one at a time, say one foot at a time. And for things like mud, just wash it off actually, and actually then the cat will be very good cleaning themselves. So, but as I say, if there's a contaminant substance, contact the vet. Um, and as I say, cats and dogs are actually very good at self-cleaning off, and if they're just muddy or dirty, um, sometimes they just, if you let them dry, they kind of, uh, you know, clean themselves or yes. it kind of shakes off. So, but definitely don't wash a cat unless you really feel the need and certainly self-protect. So, you know, wrapping, towel wrapping is very useful for cats if you need to do things like that. But in doubt, contact the vet. Now, not to be outdone by the cats purring, I'm smiling here. I've got a lovely picture in a, on a WhatsApp from David. Uh, I think it's a cocker spaniel. It's a spaniel anyway. And he says, Jerry, could you ask Sinead, do dogs actually smile? Because mine does. And I'm looking at this picture and honestly, it looks as if the dog is oh, smiling, Sinead. No, it's very difficult. Now, OK, so dogs can smile, but they're... The theory and the the kind of educated opinion on it is that, that they're not smiling as we smile. So okay. basically, when we smile, it's a human communication, and we are showing happiness or appeasement or non non threat. The the motion that a dog does to smile is normally associated with showing their teeth, mm. and normally when dogs are showing their teeth, it's a it's a Snap. not friendly gesture. So yes. it's either a, a fear or a slight aggression. So if they're pulling their lips back, you know, I would say that's really not a smile as such. That's a kind of a not happy dog. But I know what you mean. I've often looked at Cleo and think, oh, she looks happy. Or sometimes when they yawn, they look happy. Yes. But actually yawning in dogs is often a sign of, apart from tiredness, it can be a sign of stress. So I would say... I would not read a dog's apparent smile as a smile. I would go by your other body language. So with dogs, normally when they're happy and content, the, the tail tends to be kind of level or up. Uh, the ears are up or forward. Uh, the dog is kind of making, you know, they're kind of standing up or looking forward. Um, whereas dogs, when they're unhappy, they tend to be, the ears are back. They're maybe not looking at your face. The head is down. They're looking away. Um, the tail is down. So I would use it in conjunction with that. So much as I I understand and I totally agree. I've often looked at him and thought, she looks like she's smiling or laughing. Normally, it's it's not. They're not using it as a communication mechanism. In okay. dogs, their communication is mainly ears and tail. Yeah, that's yes. the main thing. Oh, yeah. the tail and is body the posture, thing. body posture. Yes. Yeah, definitely no, body no, posture. I have to say, looking at David's dog, like you said, it's the angle you're looking at there. There's no teeth showing. The dog just looks happy. And Margaret yeah. Madden's been on to us, our book, a uh, bookie wook, to say, my greyhound smiles all the time. She's oh. the friendliest of of doggies. <laughs> yeah, and it could definitely be. I wonder if it may be a very idiosyncratic thing because, yes. as I say, the dog, the, the certainly it's becoming human. If you look, it's very interesting. If you look at the culture or the history of smiling in humans, it's become a definite appeasement happiness thing. As they with dogs, it's difficult to measure because normally when they do that upward turn of the lips, by definition, in most dogs, you're going to yeah. see their teeth, and mm. so normally their teeth are hidden when they're when they're you know um, in a, in a happy kind of friendly mode. So, but it's very interesting. I'm sure there's a PhD in there somewhere for some <laughs> animal behaviorist or something. It would be very interesting indeed. And it all began on the late lunch show with Miss Sinead Kelly. There you go. Yeah. Just quickly before we go, just one other one. Um, our dog has an awful stench off its breath. Should I brush? 
his teeth, says a Okay, listener. well, yeah, the thing is you're probably too late now. So what I would say, what I try and say to people when they bring in their puppies is get the puppy used to you putting your finger in their mouth. Um, you can get like a little soft toothbrush for dogs with special soft toothpaste. And that's going to be good at getting rid of the, the kind of soft food debris before it's turned into the hard plaque or tartar or calculus. So if you look at our mouths and dog's mouths and cat's mouths, once the food debris has been there for a period of time, sometimes even just a few days, the the minerals in the dog's saliva and in the food kind of bond together and form what we know as tartar or, or calculus. And the only thing that will get rid of that will be the, the dentist ultrasonic scaler. So in humans, obviously, we can be told to sit still and let the dentist or the hygienist do a scale and polish. In in animals, we have to have them anaesthetized for safety to do that. And so they would then have to be intubated uh, to make sure that nothing was going down the airway. So what I would say to you is contact your vet. If you're getting a smell from the mouth, it would suggest you're having some infection in the mouth. And it will almost certainly be related to a buildup of plaque and tartar on the teeth that your your dog can be assessed to be booked in to get a little anesthetic, get the teeth scaled and polished, any rotten ones removed. And then when you get the dog home, all sparkly, smiley teeth, that's when you ask the vet or the nurse, they'll probably chat to you anyway prophylactically for advice on, on toothbrushing. Because then once you have the nice clean yes. teeth, if you even brush the teeth every two days, you can remove the soft debris before it becomes mineralized. Once it's mineralized, no amount of toothbrush will get rid of it. That's going to be an actual, you know, um, hard electronic uh, ultrasonic scaler right. that's required. But definitely get them used to it. And that's the problem. Is so many people, they don't do it when the dog is young. And so if you try with an older dog, they're looking at you like no, you're off your head. And, and many dogs will see that as, yes. a, as a kind of a trigger, you know. To, and they to be could start smiling at you, which we don't exactly. want. And anyway. Then we're back to our PhD then. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah. I'm looking for funding for this PhD now. <laughs> you're brilliant as usual. Thank you so much for joining us. Talk to you next month. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jerry. Take care bye-bye. now. Bye-bye. That's the brilliant Sinead Kelly there answering your questions. Late Lunch LMFM Radio. Rick Astley. My God, we're pulling out all the stops on late lunch this afternoon. What music? Wuthering Heights, Rick Astley. Hey, Louise, you know, I was looking at the chart for that week. You know that uh, Wuthering Heights was number one and Denis was number two. Listen to the rest of the top ten. This will just show you the quality. What year was it again? Uh, 78, March 78. Uh, Wuthering Heights was one this week. Denis was two. Number three in the charts was Matchstock Men and Matchstock Cats and Dogs. <laughs> Must play it someday. That. What a lovely Pens song. Out, is it? No. Ah, it's just great. By Brian and Michael. Oh, okay. uh, they sang that there about Lowry, uh, the artist. Jerry Rafferty with Baker Street was number four. I Can't Stand the Rain by Eruption 5. Wishing on a Star Rose Royce was six. Come Back My Love was number seven, sung by the Darts. Take a Chance on Me, Abba was eight. Staying Alive by the Bee Gees, number nine. And I Love the Sound of Breaking Glass was number ten. That was some top ten. You know, when you, the quality of all of them, but yeah, ah, most of them, you know, I would certainly know. Just just as an aside uh, to our number two on Tuesday, that's uh, just that one there. Anyway, Louise has gone Cheltenham mad. She's giving me a running com. I'm going to tell you what she does here. She's giving me a running commentary on the race. And as she, as she, I have it here in front of me. There's a lovely white horse in this race. As she speculates her one euro each way. Um, Anyway, you did. Which I haven't backed. And you didn't even put it on. You did mention Constitution Hill. You did say uh, that, you know, that was your pick in the first and it won. There's been actually developments at Cheltenham. Uh, false start in false one of start the races. Just now. And sadly, a fatality has held up matters as well. Yes, mm, there's the been a fatality in, and it's pushed things back there as well. So that's Awful all happening. I want to hear about those. Ah, it's shocking. It, it really is shocking and uh, they're rare, but when they happen, it, it's shocking to hear about them. It really is. You have it. You have it. Give us your nap for today. You have a nap. What have you? What's You've picked, a nap? Well, is that the, like a banker? Yes. Oh, and, no, I don't. I don't have a nap. I just like the name Grumpy Charlie. I think. I think. I think he's running in this one. I think he could be the white horse. <laughs> you didn't pick I that. I think he's last at the minute. <laughs> I want to ask you an honest question. Answer honestly. Did you pick that a horse? Thinking of me, no. Grumpy Charlie, never. <laughs> I'm never grumpy. I'm not. Maybe I was not thinking time. more of the Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> 
Chaplin. <laughs> anyway, uh, Cheltenham rolls on and uh, I'm sure people are enjoying the racing first of four days and Leon Blanche, of course, giving us his tips and David Jennings. And David Jennings was on with Brendan and Column on Sport as well and mentioning there's so many choices you have. It's hard to pick, isn't it? There's so many in the fields and it's hard to pick a winner from it. But I love if it happened, what happened to you before? Two 66 yeah. to ones. Oh, that's the dream, isn't it? That's the mm. dream to pick up a, a, a long shot like that. But it does not happen often. Now, my soundtrack on late lunch this short week, this three day week, is Calamity Jane. And the movie was released way back in 1953, a musical western starring two of Hollywood's megastars of the day, Howard Keel and Doris Day. Following on from the success of Annie Get Your Gun, the Warner Brothers studio devised the story and produced the movie, which received five Oscar nominations. The story is based on two actual people, Martha Jane Cannery, Calamity Jane, i.e. Calamity Jane, a well-known American frontiers woman, and James Butler Hickok, alias Wild Bill, a gunfighter and frontiers man who helped bring law and order to the Wild West. The story which unfolds in the movie is regarded by historians as sheer conjecture. Who believed that Jane and Bill were mere acquaintances? Well, sure, who cares at this stage? It makes for a great story on the bigger little screen and in theatres around the world where it has played since its adaption for the stage in 1961. Five Oscar nods, one winner for this original song. Doris Day, some would say one of the finest female vocals of all time. Yes, Oscar winner 1954 from the movie Calamity Jane for Best Original Song. And we'll round off Calamity tomorrow with a cracking song for you round about this time. Final break of the afternoon and we're heading then to the National Gallery of Ireland to meet Anne Hodge. My next guest is from Kilcloon in County Meath and since 2001 she's been curator of prints and drawings at the National Gallery of Ireland and she's curating a really special exhibition, a new one about uh, Gainsborough and his works. Young Gainsborough it's called Rediscovered Landscape Drawings and she's on the line. Hello Anne. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you for joining us today. Well, tell me this first before we get into this uh, exhibition you're, you're curating. How does a Meath woman uh, become curator in the National Gallery of Ireland? Oh, it's a long and complicated story. <laughs> uh, not really. No, I always loved art. Um, I was always drawing and that kind of thing. And went to college in the National College of Art and Design in Dublin. And yeah, from there, just realised that writing about art rather than making art was my forte. Um, so I got into um, into that uh, in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you. So it's a passion that's turned into a career for you, and a wonderful career at a wonderful and beautiful location as well. Now, tell I'm me about. Lucky. You're lucky. You really are. You and I'm sure you you love every minute of your time there. Tell us about this young Gainsborough rediscovered landscape drawings. I'm a great follower, you know, of um, Fiona Bruce on uh, BBC Four. We was on yes. BBC. You know what they what they're trying to verify. Great programme. Great, isn't it a great programme? I love yeah. it and I hope they make more of them where, you know, people come to them with artworks and say, is this a genuine Gainsborough, for example? Oh. Anyway, are, yeah. these, are these newly discovered? Is that what Yeah, it well, it's kind of an amazing story. They were, they were in the Royal Collection in Windsor, in the Queen's Collection, and for many years she was a great fan of another artist called Edwin Lancer. He was a great animal painter. And when he died, Queen Victoria decided she'd like to have some drawings from his collection, from his studio. So she managed to get hold of this group of 25 beautiful landscapes, all done in the open air. Um, It was taken back to the palace and she had her servants bind them up in beautiful albums and on the front was stamped Edwin Landseer because they were from his studio. Mm. But 
only recently a scholar, um, work an art historian, looked at the drawings and said they don't look right at all. And she was doing work on Thomas Gainsborough, the great uh, uh, portrait painter, and she thought they looked like Gainsborough. And uh, she compared one of the drawings with a very famous painting called Cornard Wood, which is in the, in the National Gallery in London. And she realised it was a preparatory study for that painting. And so, suddenly, lo and behold, these drawings were not by Landseer at all, who was a Victorian painter, but they were by Thomas Gainsborough and done about 100 years previously. So it was really exciting and unusual um, for this kind of a group of drawings to be discovered. And they were done when Gainsborough was very young. Um, he was only in his early 20s. He had returned to his hometown of Sudbury, which is a kind of a, a little market town in the middle of beautiful countryside in Suffolk. And he was really interested in trying to develop his landscape paintings and hopefully maybe sell to the local people who would know him well. And so he went out into the countryside near his home and uh, just started drawing. And so we have these beautiful works as a result. Isn't it just an uplifting story? A wonderful, wonderful discovery. The programme yes. I was thinking of actually just came to mind when you were speaking there. Fake or Fortune, of course, is the programme with with Fiona Bruce. And it, it is simply wonderful. But this here in itself is an amazing discovery. So they're going on display with you there. Yes, they went on display on the 5th of March and they're in the Print Gallery, in the National Gallery of Ireland in Dublin uh, until the 12th of June. So plenty of time to see them. And it's they're great because there's 25 drawings. They're quite large. So you can just imagine Gainsborough taking his big drawing board, pinning paper onto it. Mm. Uh, and they're kind of big, heavy. They're kind of grey sheets. And then he brought chalks with them as well, which are easy, easy to put in your pocket. He'd go out into the countryside, sit down on some kind of a grassy bank, and then sketch away and uh, you know there's really great detail there's a beautiful sycamore tree sometimes he's zoned in on maybe um, a path curving around a, a sandy bank and then all of these drawings really were made in preparation for paintings so he would use elements of the drawings and they'll appear in paintings like the magnificent Cornard Wood which I mentioned earlier which is on display in the exhibition along with the drawings and in that you can see oak trees, you can see the little village of Great Cornard in the distance, you can see a winding path, you can see a young man who's stopped in his work, he's digging out marl, uh, which was a fertiliser used at the time, it's kind of a mixture of lime and clay, and he stopped in his work to chat to a lovely young girl who's just sitting on the bank beside him, mm. and there's all sorts of other things going on, there's donkeys, there's a man gathering up um wood, a big bundle of wood. And of course, this landscape that he was drawing, it was common land. So it was used by the people. They could gather firewood, they could graze their animals on it. And this was just before a lot of the land was enclosed. And that sort of cut out that uh, ability they had to to use those kind of parts of of the landscape. Mm, He's renowned Number one is a portrait artist and the Blue Boy, of course, is probably his most famous uh, work. But by God, uh, can he turn his hand to landscape as well? Absolutely. Well, it's interesting. His, a friend of his, when, when Gainsborough died, and he would have been absolutely known for those very dramatic portraits, you know, uh, with gorgeous clothing and so on. Uh, but his friend, a man called Philip Tickness, wrote that, and I'll quote this, During his boyhood, there was not a picturesque clump of trees, nor even a single tree of beauty, no, nor hedgerow, for some miles about the place of his nativity that he had not so perfectly in his mind's eye. So he just, he had studied it so well as a young artist that during his life he could put in trees or things into the background of his portraits and uh, they came out perfectly. Mm, It's a coup for you there in the gallery, isn't it, to have them? Oh, it certainly is. We're very lucky because uh, just to get such a body of work and aside from the drawings from the Royal Collection, we also have paintings from different uh, museums in England, from the Fitzwilliam Museum and uh, from Ipswich and various places. And they kind of show you how he used the drawings to make the paintings and also how he was inspired by Dutch art as well, 17th century Dutch paintings. So they're all included. So I think it's a treat for people, you know, during the pandemic and that, I think we all kind of realised how important the countryside was for us. You know, mm. it allowed us a bit of space. Uh, and you'll get that sense when you walk into this exhibition of someone who absolutely loved nature and was able to record it um, in chalks or in paint 
um, very beautifully. So it's 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 really enjoyable. Um, the print gallery as well is nice and quiet, and you can just <laughs> you can just sail away to to the eighteenth yes. century when you come in. So tell listeners who may not know where the National Gallery is and what are your opening hours. Sure. Well, we're open um, every day, and uh, we're open um, from fairly early in the morning, just after nine o'clock, uh, until um, five. Um, and it's it's pretty well. It's right in the centre of Dublin, just on Merrion Square. Yeah. So if you get to Merrion Square, you'll find it pretty easily. Mm. Um, and the, this exhibition, Young Gainsborough, is free, so you can just come in any time and have a browse, or come in many times if you feel like it. Much better paintings in that building in Merrion Square than uh, the one pretty adjacent to it. But I ain't going there today. Anyway, I know exactly. <laughs> okay. I know where you are there for sure. sure. Boom, boom. Anyway, you 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 uh, you sell it brilliantly because and and so it should because this is very very special and it yeah. runs until June and there's so much more else there to see besides. Oh, absolutely. We've an incredible collection. I mean, obviously it's a national collection, so we've wonderful paintings by Irish artists from the 17th century right up to today, in fact. Um, there's great portraits and just anything you could imagine. Paintings by famous Dutch artists like Vermeer, all the big names are there, Rembrandt and so on. So yeah, definitely um, it's worth the visit and uh, worth time uh, just wandering around and enjoying what's on show. I love visiting and it was, uh, if I if I travel or if I'm up or in the city or whatever, I love to call and see and wander around and just yeah. take in what's there. And it's such a, you mentioned the countryside being a boon to people in, in yeah. the pandemic. What a loss it was not to be able to go to places like yours and enjoy, you know. I know, but it's all back it's now, back. all it's open, back. Uh, really loads of big rooms for people to walk through. So it's it's really a, a good experience. And of course, if you wanted to sort of get a sense of woodland and that in County Mead, for example, you could go to Mullameen Forest, which has lots of deciduous trees. I think that's about 10 kilometres or so from Old Castle. But there's, mm. there's lots of wonderful woodland around and in going there, you get a sense of what Gainsborough was capturing in his paintings, which were done centuries ago. Check it out, folks. It's well worth the visit. Uh, go specifically, or if you're in the capital, drop in and see Young Gainsborough rediscovered landscape drawings from now until June time. And thank you so much for joining me on the show today. You're very welcome. I was delighted to be on. Thank you indeed. Anne Hodge there from Kilcloon in County Mead. Lovely job she has. And she's such, uh, she has such a passion for it. She is a curator there in uh, the uh, National Museum, curator of prints and drawings at the National Gallery of Ireland she is. And uh, we wish her well with the exhibition. That's a lot on late lunch this Tuesday. Final show of the week coming tomorrow, Wednesday. I can't believe I'm saying that. Anyway, tomorrow's show, Lynn Kelleher is with us and she will talk about the tight bond between Ireland and the White House. And, of course, the Taoiseach will be there presenting the Bowl of Shamrock to Joe Biden this year in person. Uh, we'll be heading to New York City and we're going to catch up with Trass and Tommy Smith, good friends of ours, ahead of the big Patrick's Day celebrations. Sabina Brennan joins me. She's a documentary here on LMFM on St. Patrick's Day at Midday. It's called Imaginers. If you suffer from migraine, you'll want to hear what Sabina has to say tomorrow and not miss that documentary. And of course, Sinead Burke brings us more of her banter. That's all coming up on Wednesday's Late Lunch from 1.30. Eddie Caffrey's on his way now here on LMFM Radio with The Drive. Stay with us. Wonderful music and more besides. We'll see you tomorrow lunchtime. Take care. Bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada and Dogan Cabin. Order your new Dacia Duster or the all-new Dacia Sandero and Stepway. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.